0: You are listening to the sassiest podcast in the world. Born in the Nordics, democratizing B2B SaaS knowledge everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Rick Vanesh, the managing director
1: at Singe Engage. Respect your acquisition as much as you would respect yourself. Secondly, make sure you understand what you've acquired. Number three, it's all about people. It's not about the product. I mean, the product changes, but if you have people leaving, good talent, then you're nowhere. So it's all about that.
0: Hi again, and welcome to the Sassiest Podcast. So uh, we've been on it for a while now in beginning of 2024. School has started, you know, everyone is getting back to normal. Daniel, how do you feel?
2: I, I feel great. I mean, I, I
0: love, uh, I guess I'm a person that likes routines. I
2: hate to admit that, but there's, there's certain things that I like. Like I'd like to wake up, you know, have my breakfast, walk to my... What I call the cockpit, my screens, my laptop—you know, the kids in school and stuff like that. So I like—I feel like I'm back home again in in the hamster wheel, but I kind of like it. <laughs> I kind of like it.
0: What do you get for uh, breakfast,
2: Daniel? Uh, I'm, I'm lucky because I actually uh, spend some time during the breakfast with, with with my family here. So we we don't do anything fancy, but do you we, eat porridge? No, we don't eat porridge. So normally we have. Uh, Open face sandwiches, not sandwiches like you do in the US. So open face sandwiches, it could be with pate, ham and cheese is really popular. Sometimes, if I feel I want to spice it up, it could be jam or something like that. Uh, I usually do uh, eggs for the family. Mm. Uh, In this family, we like sunny side up. So, like, you know, they, they, they want it a little bit yolky. Like, I consider myself an egg. Expert, <laughs> you see
0: what I did there. So, so the, the younger kids also like it, like that, or the
2: younger kids, the younger kids also like it, and uh, and then we we, we take them to, to to preschool and school, and they have lots of fun there and learn a lot of things. And me and my wife go at it at work. So like, I think we're much bigger on breakfast. I'm assuming, yeah, because I've known you for many years. But I think we're much bigger on breakfast over here than what you guys are over there.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What is over there? (laughs) I mean, at the Sjöbergs. All right. So let's not talk about that. But we can talk uh, (laughs) about what getting into the routines in the sassiest community is all about. So what would you say? What is it to get into the routines in the community? It's a great question. It's all about looking at yourself,
2: looking at your needs, and thinking about, like, what do I as an individual, what do I as a leader of a team need to move here for my company to progress, for us to hit our targets? And once you know those things, and I know that all of you know those things, then you come into our communities and you engage in the conversations where you can learn, where you can absorb information, that will move the needle for you where you can meet people yeah. that will help you on this journey because at the end of the day the knowledge is there it's just a way to get access to it and access to it is by building your network and that's what we do with all of our networks all of our meetups the upcoming conferences that's really what it's all about
0: cool uh Today, I think we can promise we have a quite uh, fun episode in front of us. Uh, we're going to talk to um, a person that works for a quite well-known company for us here that we have you know, been engaging with for many, many years. But he is located in Belgium and has a story of how they become a part of this company. And uh, yeah, let's hear him out. Let's do it. Today we are super happy to be joined by Rick Van Eyck, uh, here in the Sassys Podcast. So warm welcome to you, Rick. Glad to be here, Thomas.
2: Uh, excellent to have you here today. And we're excited to talk about all kinds of stuff here, you know, to, to acquire or to be acquired, but we're gonna get into that in just a few moments. So why don't we start by friendly
1: introductions? Who is Rick? So uh, Rick uh, is a person based in Belgium. That's where I'm dialing in from today. Uh, Rick has a past experience in startups and for the last three and a half years I've been part of Singe and Singe is a CPaaS company, a communication platform as a service company based in Sweden, Stockholm, listed on the NASDAQ Yeah. Um, and um, I became part of Singe through the acquisition of a company called Chatlayer where I was the CEO before.
0: All right. So looking at LinkedIn here, you're the managing director of Engage and the manager director of Belgium. So do you get double pay? Boom, two salaries.
1: Uh, well, I mean, that's something I definitely need to talk about <laughs> uh, in the, my next growth talk, I guess, uh, with Singe. Uh But no, um, the uh, managing director of Cinch Belgium, it's the legal entity okay. that formerly uh, was set up for uh, the startup uh, chat layer. Yeah. All right. So what can you tell Tell us about,
0: I mean, just short uh, about Cinch, but also specifically the uh, sort of business area or business unit that you work for
1: absolutely so Singe um i already mentioned a communication platform as a service what is that exactly i'm thinking uh, of
2: all all the text messages i get powered from uh, yeah now for christmas and so on they probably somewhere
1: powered by you guys yes they are but it's not only text messaging and um singe has also been really on a journey there when that company was founded in 2008 it was only text messaging, yeah. but it evolved really to all types of communication. So today we have, um, from a communication perspective, we have three major business lines: we have text messaging, um, we have also more advanced messaging like WhatsApp, etc. Mm-hmm. But it's all under messaging. We have everything around voice, so think about uh, voice over IP, but also like landlines, SIP trunking, and all these things. Right. And then last, but certainly not least, uh, the whole email business. And then we have a set of software products, SaaS products, where you can use those different communication channels together uh, in experience to customers. And that's also where uh, I'm responsible for. So uh, I lead uh, a team of about 180 people um, that have a a product in the SaaS space. Mm -hmm. where we make it possible and easy for companies to communicate using these channels.
2: Yeah. Right, I'm thinking like... And
1: that's called Cinch Engage.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. you know, loyalty platforms, you know, customer support type of platforms. I'm, I'm guessing now here, but it sounds like a natural fit.
1: Yes. Um, so if you look at the business of uh, of Singe, um you have the API business. Yeah. So the API business really for developers or enterprises to just... Uh, connect to those communication channels. Yeah. And then you have an application, a SaaS business, uh, where you can just uh, use a UI to configure these whole experiences in terms of communication that you want to have with your end users. Right. So let's say, Black Friday, um, your Amazon or another e-commerce, you want to blast out a lot of campaigns, uh, you could use uh, software from for Sing, from Singe to do that.
2: Basically. And do you have to be of a certain size for Singe
1: to make sense? Like, what if I'm a s- small player? Like- yep. So we really do, um, you know, the, the pop or mom shop around the corner. <laughs> um, so you could be uh, a barber shop. Um, we have, uh, you know, many of those car dealerships, etc. cetera. Um, specifically, the SaaS offering is very interesting for smaller companies as well. Yeah. Um, because then you don't need to have any developer experience to get started with those. All right. But we have, you know, a SaaS product that's being used by uh, what we call a, a mid-market company, like 100 employees. But that could also be used by a department in a larger corporate, uh, let's say a Porsche, for instance, uh, as a automotive company. Right. But then they use it typically in, in a department, not uh, entirely around the globe.
0: All right. Cool. So what can you say about the size of the operation just to get the perspective here and and perhaps if you take a whole of cinch and maybe also your your business unit yeah so where are you when it comes to ARR and um, number of customers where are you in the world so
1: so that's where where it gets a bit tricky as we're stock listed so we don't break (laughs) out the the units Uh, however i can say that Cinge as a whole um, does three billion in revenue okay now, the model of uh, and, and built 3 billion in revenue is in euros or USD. Right. I think it's about 30 billion sec, right? Yeah. Um, but um, uh, to, to to have a bit of an uh, uh, an idea, uh, we have about 180 people. The main markets are Brazil, India, EMEA uh, that we sell this SaaS offering to. Yeah, And it's... Uh, yeah, it's a fast-growing field. So for us, growth is, is the most important thing.
0: Yeah, and that is in your business unit, right? Yes. So whole of Singe, How many people are are you in that uh, enterprise? About Four
1: thousand five hundred people, and then I lead about hundred eighty uh, of those around. And it's around the globe, which makes it very fun and interesting.
0: All <laughs> right, cool. Yeah. All right, so I mean, this has been a personal journey for you all of it uh, as you mentioned you were acquired could you tell take us back a few years uh, how did this started for you
1: yeah absolutely so um that's quite interesting we we found a chat layer in 2018, so that's not that long ago. Um, there was a bit of a chatbot craze in uh, 2017, uh, which started in 2016, but the craze really got going in 2017 with Facebook Messenger launching bots. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, um, there was a consultancy firm that um, that helped customers to deal already back then with AI. I mean, it was not a big topic yet, as today with ChatGPT. <laughs> But but more enterprise companies they were thinking about their AI strategy, and one thing that um, came back from a lot of enterprises is that they wanted to do things in customer support uh, automation, yeah. and they were already looking to bot technology. Um, now I already mentioned I come from Belgium, uh, and Belgium has a bit of a particularity. It's like Switzerland. We have uh, four different languages. <laughs> So customer support becomes really uh, complicated fast. Right. And basically what you need is high-skilled labor in order to deal with customer queries because they typically have to speak more than one language. So we have Dutch, French, German, and then you know English as a, a bit of a, a lingua franca to get uh, <laughs> by in business. Um, so that was a problem that these companies were throwing to us in the consultancy. And then we looked at, you know, all types of bot platforms and conversational AI platforms around the globe. And typically they were coming from, you know, Silicon Valley based companies like a Google or an Amazon. It was also the time when you had these Google speakers, uh, Alexa as well, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, and, you know, their mantra was easy. We have the best platform in the world, but the whole world, according to us, only speaks one language. And that's English that, of course, didn't cut it for european customers so with that edge we started uh you know building something new uh we went to all these customers that we did consultancy for and we said like look um we think we have a solution we can build it in three months or six months but um are you okay uh if we just ask you what you need we built it and we're only going to uh let you pay a fraction of what it costs but we keep the uh, the intellectual property. Is, is that okay for you? Mm. And so we were a bit like, you know, playing in the middle. We were told these enterprise that we did consultancy for. And then the answer, yeah, we think that's amazing. Let's do it. And, and that was the beginning of ChatLayer. And that went, you know, pretty fast uh, after that.
2: Yeah, that's really exciting. And then, uh, then you had, uh, you know, sometime later here, although fairly quick on into your journey, you had the opportunity where people approach you to pick up the entire business and the team and so on and the IP you build up. And that's how you ended up at at Singe. But what we wanted to talk a little bit with you today is about like, you're on to something good. It works. There's a demand. There's customers paying. You have the entire AI craze behind you, so to say, like pushing this. Like, how does it feel when somebody approaches you? Like, you know, how do you know that now is the right time? hand over the keys to somebody else
1: so i i don't think you actually know as a as a ceo i mean there's never a good time for this right and um i'll tell you a fun story um we were actually in uh, a series a uh, vc round, so very early right we were 20 people back then yeah but the business was growing well and i think the platform was developing well um, But we wanted to get more funding in order to to grow further, and because we had all these languages that we supported, we also felt that we really wanted to go international right um so we made this v c plan and and we quickly discovered that most of the funding would go to opening offices in different countries or at least getting some boots on the ground for go to market right um so what we were doing, we were doing um, uh, fairs. Like there was a chatbot summit in Berlin that we went to. And just by coincidence, I met uh, Johan Hedberg, uh, one of the founders of Singe, who you, who literally just introduced himself like, hey, my name is Johan. I used to be CEO and I'm still founder of this company, uh, Singe. Um, and I'm looking for, I think he called it a strategic partnership. Okay. And I was like, yeah, that's all great. But first of all, who singe secondly um uh, yeah we had already some integrations with whatsapp so i didn't really saw the need of this partnership (laughs) um so i was you know i'm a a quite direct person like most dutchies are and i said look i don't see any value right now in strategic partnership but if you want i can give you a demo on the booth Uh, you have my business card and we'll take it from there so i wasn't aware that you know he was actually uh in 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 the business of corporate development Mm. but then he kept like um sending me messages on linkedin that he really wanted to be in a in a teams meeting with me okay and i was like but why is this person like so interested i already declined you know that i want to do any partnership because i was you know up to my head or uh into the vc round so i had other priorities to take care of right but then you know after five six weeks it became clear that uh Um, They wanted more than, I would say, just a strategic partnership or a very strategic partnership. Um, And then we started uh, discussing uh, how that would look.
2: Yeah. And when when you realized that it was more than just a strategic partnership, like, was this with excitement or you felt like, no, this is like, we have so much more to build here. We just started our journey. Like, I'm going to take this from X million to many more Xs. Or was it more like, oh, this is flattering, like it's a safe bet, let's go?
0: Yeah, and now I'm t- telling all my, my employees that, you know, we're going to get all this money and then we're going to expand and we're going to, you know, put the foot on the, yeah.
1: Yeah, what do you say, the gas pedal and take the next step. I mean, all of what you just mentioned went through my head, right? And also through the head of my CTO that I uh, was very close to. And we we had to find out through the conversations what was right for for us and what do i mean for us it's not you know this myself and the cto but also for the team and um i think we've always been relatively humble or also realistic but then in a good way about what's the best way to scale this up right and um when we were talking with singe we quickly discovered three things that we found very, very important. And that was, in the end, was a bit the rationale of the deal. The first thing was, is that each time when we made the investment plan, we saw that most of the money would flow anyway to, to go to market GTM. Singe, back then, already had about 40, 45 offices around the globe, where we basically could just say, like, here's the asset, here's the product, and you can now sell it through all these offices, which we found very, very attractive. mm mm-hmm. Secondly, um, we saw a shift from um, communication through websites. And so, uh, chat layer, conversational AI platform. We did a lot through web. But we saw that also channels like WhatsApp, text messaging, we wanted to do voice as well, which was over voice networks. That, frankly, are quite complex to operate. Mm. Um, So, we also figured out, like, you know, if we want to do that and build those assets ourselves that's going to take a lot of time and we can't focus on the conversational AI piece that we're really good at. So that was a consideration as well, because since had that they had it off the shelf, they had success cases there already. Um, and then the last thing was culture. We just felt there was a good fit culture. We felt at least that, you know, my CTO Peter and myself, they were treated with respect uh, in the conversations. So that felt really, really good. But then we still had, you know, the question like, how are we sure that this is going to scale and that we're not just getting acquired and, you know, that's it, end of story. Mm. So when we were negotiating a deal, uh, our focus was not only on what's the amount that we're going to get as shareholders, mm-hmm. but it was like, what is the additional investment that you guys can promise us for the next two years mm. uh, in order to scale this thing up? Yeah. And and uh, that's what we focused on mainly. Yeah. And I'm curious, was there...
2: Something in there for you guys, because it sounds like you were eager to continue building this, not just handing over the keys. It's like you're still holding the keys; they're just putting a bigger engine in your car. Yeah. Was there also in this transaction an element where, okay, guys, here is a certain amount of money for us picking up your business, but if you also take it to this level, then there's a little bit more money waiting for you down the line.
1: So, so that's typically how M&A uh, deals are structured. Yeah. Um. But um, yeah, it's three and a half years ago. I can say I declined that offer, um, and I'll, I'll also explain you the rationale, and, and also the CTO that I worked with declined. Please, uh, because I wanted to keep both parties sharp to make this a success. I, you know, I'm a big fan of Marty Kagan. You probably know him from you know the Silicon Valley uh, group in product development. Yeah, and he quotes very often an, an old quote of I believe it's John Doer, uh, one of the Uh, private equity vc investors uh, early manager at intel um uh, he says i want missionaries i don't want mercenaries (laughs) right you want you want people that go for the mission you don't want to have people going just because they because they get paid right and um so we looked at each other we said like what's probably the best way to make sure that in the future we make the right decisions, not only for us, but also for Singe. Right. And that we make these decisions together. And we said like trust is a very important element to that. So having like a earnout would make us all of a sudden from day one mercenaries. And we didn't want that for ourselves. We didn't want that for the team. So we said, you know, um, we don't have a preference for such a scheme, although we know it's, you know, the usual thing to do. Why not just every three months sit together, see if this is working, mm-hmm. and keep each other sharp? And that's what we did. And I think to to a large extent that contributed to the success because from day one when we were, um, you know, part of Singe, both me, my CTO, we realized that we were sitting there because of our own uh, decision, right? Uh, without any dependency. Yeah. So this was a a bit intrinsic uh, motivator. Uh, for, for both of us.
0: Yeah. So it sounds to me there were a lot of benefits that you saw to uh, being a part of Cinch. You also decided that you wanted to be missionaries in the Cinch church. <laughs> and, but then, you know, there is also a process, right? So could you walk us through the key elements? What's happened when you get acquired? What step is it before you sort of reach the end goal?
1: Yeah. So the end goal is typically long, right? And, you, and I, I think it's amazing, Thomas, that you, <laughs> you make the link with religion, right? Yeah. Um, so I now probably need to watch out during the podcast what I'm about to say. But I'm going to say it anyway.
2: In so, this church, you can swear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, you, you embark on this thing, you have big faith, et cetera. Yeah. And then basically what happens is, you know, first weeks you get to know each other, Um you you know it's it's all fun because all new etc and then um what you get is um you're off into the desert for a while yeah like you know jesus had to go to the desert to find himself i think that's also a bit what we what we had to do because and and it also a bit related to the specific circumstances we got acquired i believe on the um, it was mid-march uh 2020 yeah um I, I think the day that we signed the deal was, uh, the fourth day of the, uh, lockdown in Belgium and, you know, the, the pan- pandemic was raging all across. Right. So basically we had to go to the team and just say from a teams meeting and we normally were an in-office team, yeah. uh, like, look, we have news, we have, you know, this growth plan, but we're also acquired, but a cinch in that time, um, I think in three months they acquired four companies. Wow. So all of a sudden we were, um, uh, confronted with, um, the fact that we were not the only priority for seems to focus on. Yeah. So this is also, uh, you know, wh- why we had to go through the desert and we had to find out a lot for ourselves. Um, but I think it was, you know, very, very good. It also gave us a bit, the option to, to be a bit standalone for a while to figure things out on ourselves.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. But uh, in the meanwhile, we also had to do a lot of the work in order to get integrated because that's very often a misconception that, um, uh, you know, scale up SaaS companies have when they get acquired by corporate is that then all of a sudden that corporate will have all the answers Mm. and they have like, you know, a hundred day plan and then you're integrated and, you know, you just plug in into their growth engine. I can assure you it's not the case. Mm. It's hard work and it's typically you know, the company that got acquired that needs to do most of the work because you know your asset, you know your product Mm. um, the best. So all of a sudden you're confronted with, you need to grow, but you also need to integrate at the same time, which is, you know, very stringent on the team.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, All right. So so you had a a little bit of a, Um, maybe unexpected start you had to go out in the desert and you know after 40 days in the desert you you start to see things right yeah and i don't know did you see any you know visions things that were different from what you thought it would be
2: it's turning into a very religious podcast (laughs)
1: liking it oh absolutely and uh i mean i you know just being real here uh i've Doubted my fate throughout the uh, throughout the process a couple of times, like, oh, you know, if I would have known this before, what would I have done, etc. The thing that kept me going, though, um, is mutual values on both sides of the uh, of the equation. So, I mean, common values, um, you know, being treated with respect, treating others with respect. Um, I think Singh was very good at back back at the time, and they were also a little bit smaller. Um, now, now they're still great, but it's more complicated because the company has, you know, quadrupled or fivefolded since since that acquisition in terms of headcount and revenue. Yeah. But they were very like humble that they hadn't figured out everything themselves, so they actually listened to to us when we, we were only a twenty people team, right? And mm-hmm. they were with seven hundred, eight hundred. Yeah. They were very profitable. We were growing fast, but we, you know, we were still consuming money every every month. We had cash burn. But they were very open and, and listen. Um, and I think that's definitely a recommendation I could give any corporate um, uh, when you acquire a, a, a small, you know, uh, speedboat company. I
2: mean, and that's what I wanted to ask you a little bit because there's a lot of uh, people listening into this podcast that are at some point going to find themselves on one or the other side of this equation, if you may. And I want to specifically ask a question that I think all the acquirers would like to know, like looking back at your exercise here, what do you wish coming in as the acquired company that was in place or that support also existed or the process existed, whatever it is, that would have made your transition even easier into this new
1: organization? I think the most important thing, and that's what I advocated also a lot, when I was on the other side, so I've been three and a half years at Singe, we continue to acquire a lot of other companies as well, also smaller, innovative companies. Yeah. And um, what I advocate for is that before you put the signature on the contract, you know, on the share purchase agreement, be very clear on what you want to do with the team. Be very, very clear what you want to do with the product and be very, very clear on what you want to do in terms of sales plan. What typically happens is you know, that you have this negotiation yeah. and then you have this you know, day one coming in and then typically what happens is a 100-day plan is being figured out. Yeah. But I mean, it's a, you have in life, in decisions, you have one-way doors and you have two-way doors. I mean, signing an SPA is a one-way door. You got acquired. You can't go back, right? Right, right. And um, I think very often the, the relationship or, or, or the power balance also flips a bit. Uh, when that SPA is signed, yes, of course, as a founder you got money, but you also lose control of, the, of 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 the direction of the company. Potentially, I mean, it depends all on the culture of the acquirer. I didn't have that sense that much the first twelve months, mm. but um, I really, you know, recommend uh, being very clear about that. I have that plan ready um, so you don't have surprises in those four first hundred days or even year because. If the expectations are not aligned in that early beginning of that new relationship that you start, then I typically have seen things become ugly uh, and typically they become ugly for both parties and a lot of value is lost.
2: That makes a lot of sense because we do hear a lot of you know uh, acquisitions and mergers happening and I mean, don't quote me on this, but I'm going to say that 8 out of 10 people that we speak to that have been through this exercise. On both sides, tell us it was more complicated and difficult and time consuming than what they had initially anticipated. And it's because some things are neglected or misunderstood, or just, uh, I hate to say it, n- naively
1: uh, misinterpreted as to how much effort it's going to take to make this fly. Absolutely. That happens all the time. Yeah. But isn't that, you know, the nature of business anyway? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've not seen. You know, even very successful, you know, super scalers, not going through like similar pains. I mean, scaling a business is just really, really hard. Acquiring and integrating a business is very hard as well. Um, but it just, it, it, you need different hacks. You need different skill sets. Um, in 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 both things, they're very different. Integrating is an art. Yeah. Scaling is an art. Yeah. And, and typically, where it goes wrong, if you use scaling techniques um, uh, in an integration and vice versa, then then you know it completely goes wrong. So you need to be also very conscious about you know the M by dexterity. Like you need to, you know, one process is one thing, and that's where certain things will work. Uh, integrating uh, is another one, um, and don't don't you know confuse them, don't mingle them. Uh, otherwise, things go wrong. Also from an expectations uh, point of view. Yeah. And I've been across that many, many times in the last three and a half years.
2: All right, yeah. And and, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about that because it's it's one thing to, to sell the company, you come in and like you said, you walk through the desert and so on, but you figure things out. Like now that you've also been on the other side, acquiring companies. No,
0: not acquiring, expanding the church, Daniel. Expanding <laughs> the church.
1: Recruiting new followers, right, uh, Daniel? Yeah, exactly. Me,
2: on this on this mission, pilgrim journey. Yes. Pilgrim journey, yes. there you go. So. You bring in all these companies and now suddenly you have the responsibility that somebody's going to ask you like, hey, Rick, we bought company ABC. Are they progressing as we anticipated? Is it working the way we wished for and plan for like? So how do you quantify if a merger or if an acquisition is successful or not? Are there certain KPIs you spend more time on looking at?
1: I mean... Depends on the acquisition. If you have a very profitable company that you acquire, you probably just want to generate more EBITDA, right? And that's the the one thing that you're just focusing on. Yeah. If you acquire a company like, you know, the one that I was part of, Chatlayer, we acquired also another company in Germany uh, called Messenger People. um, That's like in a new innovative field. Um, The question is, what are you acquiring? Are you, yes, you're acquiring that scalable growth, uh, and and of course that needs to lead to EBITDA, mm-hmm. you know, no mistake there. But you're also acquiring a certain uh, unique uh, set of expertise and knowledge that you want to enrich your company with, and probably you know you want to take part of that culture and that knowledge also, and to plug it in in into your existing company. Um, and that's very difficult to quantify, but the long term impact of that is really non negligible it's it's night and day if you if you do that successfully um so we've been yes i mean there are business plans and you know every month stock listed company we we just report on all the kpis of course Mm. but the real success is hey can we get can we break the silos can we get people to work together can we share like the way that uh, problems have been approached can we share that together and find new ways of working right and that's i think uh, where we put a lot of effort attention and that's where we see the real transformation happening on on a global scale on a you know on a much bigger level than just you know individually Growing EBITDA on a, on a on a on a specific product that you've acquired in the past.
0: All right. So, so is there a specific acquiring team, Strikeforce, that helps you with the alignment uh, when you do your new acquisitions?
1: Yes, but I mean they are typically uh, offboard of the project after the first hundred days, right? So that's where the missionary comes in again. Okay. Um, because it's it's I mean MA is a transactional world. Um, so yes, you have all these consultants making sure that your email, you know, client sings, that your teams is working, and all the basics. Yeah. But they won't tell you like you know this is the strategy, and if you plug in like this or you go after that ideal customer persona, you'll be successful. That's something you have to figure out yourself.
2: Are you building a SaaS business? Achieving ISO 27001 or SOC 2 compliance can help you win bigger deals, enter new markets, and deepen trust with your customers. But it can also cost you real time and money. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work needed to get and stay compliant. Get audit ready in weeks instead of months and save up to 85% of associated cost. Over 6,000 fast-growing companies use Vanta to manage risk and prove security in real time. Sassiest listeners get 20% off Vanta at Vanta.com slash sassiest. That's V-A-N-T-A dot
0: Patrick, uh you choose the missionary path, but you have made several acquisitions. Did they do the same, or did you hire mercenaries as well?
1: I try to avoid that at all costs, um, <laughs> so it's a bit the opposite right um, yeah. and again, it, it comes from the the field that I'm in, right? I think if you have a very profitable you know incumbent company with technology that has been around for twenty years, yeah the mercenary thing can work. Don't get me wrong, yeah. I think when you work in, in an innovative space where the answers are not clear, a lot of things need to be invented or reinvented. You need missionaries. And that's, I mean, part of the, you know, the trade that I'm uh, doing also currently at Singe, making sure that that's happening. Yeah. Um, and yes, we I I mean, a hard part is also sometimes you acquire a company. There's a a, a team of founders that is not in line with, Uh, envision what you know the next steps are Mm. and then sometimes you need to part ways uh, in a very respectful way of course but we've we've been through that a couple of times as well
2: i mean that's also very interesting because it's one of the common issues we hear so to say you know the culture mismatch it's and it's not like one culture is better than the other it's just that you know uh, again i don't know if that was your case but chat layer had a culture Cinge had another culture. And then whether you want it or not, Chatlayer has to sacrifice more of their culture coming into the Cinch culture. Like, how do you manage this dynamics? Because like sometimes I've heard people say, like, well, when you do a merger, you have to also somehow merge the culture. Yeah, I get that if it's an equal merger. But anybody that cinch buys now, it's like you can't change the culture
1: six times a year like so how do you manage that dynamic (laughs) it's a very good question daniel um so one thing that we in the end settled on with the management team that got acquired is that um you know the culture is changing so it wasn't like um a comparison between the two cultures and we said like oh these things are different and you know this is what we like this is what we don't like we said our culture is evolving it's changing right and i think if you're humble enough There might also be things in your culture as the company that, you know, you were standalone, maybe needed refinement. Maybe there are some things in that other culture that are really good that you can adopt. Um, And if you, again, if you have an acquirer that says like, look, I'm open to listen, to learn, then it's it's a lot easier. Um, And yeah, we were in that position. Um, But it takes a long time. And the, 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 the fun part is, I think Sing has gone through eight acquisitions now since since ours. Yeah. Three and a half years later. I see all these companies being on different cultural adoption paths. Okay. And the reality is, I mean, I'm three and a half years down the road. I'm wearing a Sing shirt today. We had a Christmas party yesterday with the team here in Antwerp where a lot of like original chat layer people were, were there. Right. And, and I felt like now after three and a half years that they all feel like really singed. I mean, the singed sign is already for two years on, <laughs> on the walls. Absolutely. But there were people saying like in their New Year speeches like we as singe are doing this last year they would say we as Chet Bayer as part of singe we're doing this uh, yeah, so, so yeah. have
0: you wore the holy bumblebee
1: suit as well yes i have one in my closet okay uh, i bought it with my own money so i, I wasn't forced okay <laughs>
0: How much is a bumblebee suit?
1: It depends. It depends. But um, but if
0: you have the Cinch discount,
1: if no, the Cinch discount, you can get it for less than 100 euros. They subsidize it a bit, so to make sure that you wear it, right? But, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. So interesting because we have companies that are only with us for one year. Yeah. And then one of the things that I very often just uh, consult on is they're like, why are they not adopting our culture, or why are they not accepting? uh you know the branding or oh, why i'm like but they're not i mean it takes time right mm. and probably the more that you force it the more that they will hit the brake and the slower it will go so so give it a bit of time give it a bit of flexibility yeah um and um yeah be patient yeah it's uh it's it's a long-term game
0: so there might be people listening here that are looking to acquire another company so do you have ten commandments for them to take into
1: account, or oh, maybe not ten commandments, but maybe three three tips. Three tips. Okay. So, so the first one, and uh, I talked about this a couple of times. Respect your acquisition as much as you would respect uh, yourself. I think that's that's definitely number one. Yeah. Secondly, um, make sure you understand what you've acquired. Mm. Um, it sounds easy. It isn't. Most companies only find out after three months what they've acquired. Yeah. Number three. Um, it's all about people. Yeah. It's not about the product. I mean, the product changes, but if you have people leaving good talent, then you're, you're nowhere. So it's all about that. It feels
0: like you have more than three, so you can just go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four,
1: give it time, you know, don't rush it. Um, especially on culture. Um, uh, I would say number five, make sure that you meet in person. Um, Something we also found out, uh, because most of the acquisition was done during COVID times, was very, very difficult. That we were not able to meet in person. Um, and I also see with our latest acquisitions, only goes well once you see each other. Yeah. I'll leave it with that. I can't give you ten, okay. but uh, those are the five.
2: So I have a follow up question. Then, like you know, uh, I have full respect and I'm in hundred percent agreement about you know you got to give it some time for this cultural alignment, but. I got to ask anyway, like, you must do some things to encourage a faster adoption of the culture or, you know, to speed up the culture alignment. Is there anything that you've seen like this has worked really well? I, I'm, I'm, I don't think this is the case, but to give you an example, like, we do every month uh, uh, open bar and then everybody gets drunk and everybody seems to like each other. That's a way to get closer. Like, joking aside here, is there anything that you feel like this has propelled
1: it a little bit? Goodies work. Um so you were laughing about the bumblebee uh, suit, <laughs> yeah, but I'm um, wearing here a cinch t-shirt I mean that works, so we got like t-shirt from day one um and at first people were like a bit uncomfortable like what's this brand doing on you know on my body right yeah. it's like it doesn't feel but uh, you know if it's really good quality gear that works um uh, and um it's very subtle, but for instance, we got completely our office redecorated in cinch. What we did all together, we, we actually ourselves bolted uh, the sign of singe on the wall. It wasn't yeah. like a... Somebody, so the founding team, we bolted it together. And we took pictures of it. It mm. was a bit like a, um, part of the, you know, it's not the desert. It's a pilgrimage, right? But it was like a bit of closure. Um, but also some things of the past that you, you need to, I wouldn't say erase, but you should just... Change, right? So, mm. since the legal entity was after a year still called Chatlayer, yeah, I made the call. I said, "Look, this is something of the past. Yeah, it needs to be called Singe Belgium. I mean, because we're part of this 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 uh, this larger group. Um, but also there, it's difficult. So then yeah. people feel like, oh, but it's the only thing that we still have from our brand yeah. <laughs> in the past, you know. And then I said, look, we we need to change. We're, we're we're going to change this. Yeah. And then I asked, you know, my head of finance, what you know, was maybe uncomfortable, can you please, you know, do the order form or, you know, bring it to the chamber of commerce that we're changing this is it well let's do it so also again part of the journey right
0: yes I know that Daniel is still hopes that we're going to have the Viking helmet from the SAS Nordic time somewhere sometime <laughs> let's see about that and the comment about the bumblebee suit we worked for a CEO that had a crayfish suit at one party I don't think it was related to the brand but but it was great fun so in the end here we take three <laughs> short questions I mean what, what's in the future for for you guys at not chat layer uh, Uh, here is is AI I guess is a big thing is it an opportunity or a threat
1: so this is the cool thing Um, you know when we got acquired we were an uh, AI company still today at heart uh, the whole team that sits here uh, has very deep AI knowledge so um, we're right now pushing out one uh, generative AI feature after the other and the cool thing is that we can now do it for 200,000 customers around the globe wow. but
0: they weren't surprised when you know chat GPT4 was coming and all of that that they were
1: already in the know of, of that before the public y- yes and no um, so foundational models large language uh, models we all knew that transformer models we, we you know we were experimenting with that already in 2019 okay the user friendliness of chat GPT uh, just baffled all of us. Uh, we we really also did like you know the Google crisis meeting that you read in the papers. <laughs> yeah. We had this type of meeting as well. Like, what does this mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we very fast um, just saw that it was an extension, and that we could use our knowledge in order to build great applications on this. So it wasn't a threat for us. Yeah. But we also went through that uh, through that panic attack for a while. Like, oh, are we all of a sudden being disrupted? Yeah. We were you know in the position to to disrupt, and now we're disrupted. Yeah. But um yeah right now it's uh 12 months later i think it's it's really cool and uh we can use the knowledge that we've built up um just to launch a lot of generative ai products to uh, to the market cool yeah last question
0: who would you want to see on the show anyone that would make you excited if we got there
1: oh, i mean i don't want to make it too difficult but i'm a big marty kagan fan so you can definitely okay. uh, try to get him uh, get him on challengers <laughs> uh, 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 yeah exactly um, you know you're you're Originally from a Nordic uh, company, uh, from a uh, Nordic region, and you work with a lot of Nordic companies. I, I don't know if you had Spotify in the past uh, yet. We haven't.
0: Um, uh, they are not so much B two B, but uh, I
1: mean, maybe we they, find they don't, do- they
0: don't qualify. Like who? Like who? Who can no, say like but, Spotify but
2: doesn't qualify? <laughs> what I think is
1: very interesting what has happened in the last two weeks, right? Yeah. With the uh, movement to profitability. Yeah. So maybe not talking about B two B, but really talking about. You know, at the end of the day, and that could be after 20 years, or I don't know how long they've been in the business, 15 years. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you go from this high scaler? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you need to pivot. I think that's a very, very interesting question. It is. To ask and have a podcast it about. Is. And it's also relevant for B2B SaaS.
0: Yeah. Rick. This has been amazing. So happy to have you here in the podcast and looking forward to engage with you moving forward. We would love to come to Belgium, love to come to
1: Antwerpen and uh, see you around. Yes, I'll make sure that some Belgian beer is there. And uh, as we had a religious uh, podcast, <laughs> Thomas and Daniel, I would just say <laughs> amen and yeah. thank you so much for having me. Yeah,
0: it won't it won't be a meetup, it will be communion. So uh, see you there. Take care now. See So Daniel, what's your takeaway from the episode today? This became uh, <laughs> very uh, spiritual and uplifting. And Are you a missionary, Daniel? Uh, I, I don't know if
2: you're going to like this answers, but and, and maybe it's uh, a little bit unfair to say, but I think I am both. Okay, yeah. I think I'm both. Like Because sometimes, depending on the role you have, depending on what you're representing, depending on what you accompli- want to accomplish, you got to be a little bit of both, uh, and I think also in in our role here now, we're truly missionaries,
0: but we move fast sometimes
2: as mercenaries.
0: <laughs> Is that fair to say? I don't know, but you know, also I mean, it sounds really nice being a missionary and so on. But I know quite many missionary kids, mm-hmm. and it's not always, you know, all good experience being a kid for a missionary because the focus as a missionary is so much on the mission, right? Right. So then you have everything, you know, the your family, all the material things and so on. So I have friends that say, you, we never had any toys, you know, everything just went to the mission <laughs> and so on. And I mean, depending on you see it, but I think you need to, you need to look at both the mission, but also sort of what's um, around you and sometimes maybe you need to also uh, make sure that you have some security that's equal cashing out yeah. so um, alright yeah. right. uh, did you have <laughs> any more takeaways Daniel? Uh,
2: I, I had a lot of takeaways and okay. it, it, I mean all jokes aside it's very difficult to, to make acquisitions and you know to be acquired or to be the acquired it just you know takes a lot of energy effort and and exercise i I thought it was interesting to hear him say that as the acquired party most of the responsibility to make this successful is on you yeah i don't think we hear that very often because people think like oh i'm gonna join this big great company and we they have a gazillion amount of dollars and they're gonna plug in us and our product and we're gonna be so successful and so on that all might be true, but based on what he said, the grunt of the work sits on the acquired party. You know, to get things working technically, to adapt to the culture and make the changes. Because especially if you join somebody that has m as a strategy, you're one of many children. And they have to split their attention across the children. They can't spend all the time with you, which means that you have to... Defend for yourself a little bit. So I thought it was really refreshing that he brought that perspective up. Thomas, what are the things that you take away from this episode?
0: Well, what really sticks to me is, you know, when he talked about being the missionary or the mercenary. I, I, I haven't really heard it presented that way before, but I think it's very true. It will, you know, affect you and the company very differently. I mean, it really differs. What drives you? What motivates you? What gets you to walk that extra mile? And um, should really know what you're getting yourself into and how that will affect you and your team. Uh, but it was great hearing Rick's story. I think there were many good learnings, both if you're either or are either side of, of such an exercise. Definitely, definitely, and and uh, it, it's been. So good to hear
2: Rick's story and all other stories, everybody else coming here and sharing their learnings and so on. And again, coming back to what we said, the best way to learn is from other operators. There's lots of information online that you can read and so on, but the magic happens when you can interact with somebody and have a dialogue and conversation about how to
0: solve things. Absolutely. And if you want to do that in an intimate uh, way, we have our network groups. You might have heard of the sassiest CEO network. There, as a B2B SaaS CEO, you can be a part of a network with more than 100 B2B SaaS CEOs out of Europe with an ARR above two million euros. And you will also have your small cohort that you will meet on a regular basis where you have the trust, where you really can let your guard down and talk about you know, really important stuff that you might not be able to talk with anyone else about. Uh, We also have similar groups for uh, uh, executives within all kinds of different areas, no matter if you work within sales, marketing, finance, people, operations, product engineering, customer success or partners, we have a group for you. We might even start up groups within strategy and specific for CROs. We're still taking in applications, uh, so this might be your last chance to join. We actually have our kickoff for the CEO Network in Copenhagen on the 25th of January. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be one of the highlights for the year for the sassiest community, and I can't wait to get there. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so
2: much for listening, and we'll be in your earphones uh, a few days from now. See you around.